What's up? Welcome to a very special new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 363. My name is Steve, one of the co-hosts of the show. And as always, uh, as always, I'm joined by Ron and John. Hey, guys, how's it going? I feel like I kind of downplayed it when I said and John, like as though I'm not super excited <laughs> to, do this, uh, to do this episode. This is our first time in a while to do what one yeah. of these best of the year shows. It's been a couple of years, and uh, I would say it's kind of like a balanced sentiment. I feel like, I, you know, you go in with excitement because we get to look back and say what our favorites of the year were. Yeah. And since we haven't done this in a few years, it's like, this is exciting because it, this was always something we always looked forward to. And um, I think we've all seen a lot of great films this year. But there's also that other side of the coin where there's, at least speaking personally, uh, there's so much apprehension and just like I, I kind of have so much despair of what I didn't get to see. You know mm. what I mean? Or like like we were talking before we recorded that we all kind of had our own little versions of a cram session to watch as much as we could, um, you know, even either having access to or just, you know, some stuff for me was still in theaters I didn't get to see. But it's just like I look at the list. I'm really happy with my list, but it's like I'm not sure, you know, like it, there's this constant motion to this list where I'm just like is that my number 10? Is that my number nine? You know, it's like, I have this anxiety over this uh, every time we do it, but it's, it's a really fun exercise to go back and look at everything that we watched. Um, how do you guys approach it? Or how do you guys feel about it in terms of your <laughs> emotional, <laughs> emotional state? I'm always sad when I can't see all the movies I want to see, but right. You know, it gets a little weird with like festival releases and access that we can get, like you were saying. Yeah. But then, like, it just the release schedule for some of these movies are weird. So it's it it's it that's the part of it that feels like we're outside of the industry, right? Like the fact that the casual it feels viewer, like we're outside the industry. Yeah. yeah, the casual viewer can't watch. It's almost as if. Yeah, we're almost outside the industry. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, uh, I, the, I'm, I mean, the average person who wants to consume any of these right. movies that are up for things right. literally can't watch them. It's also, not even given like that a, we do get access to certain things, but we yeah, can't get yeah. access to everything as we'd like it. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, but I, I follow a lot of big places and they can't get it either. Like, it's right. like people with like millions of subscribers. So I, I, I thought that it was just our plight, but it, it seems to be. <laughs> Because what what's so weird is like just some insider baseball is like when we get access, we only get access to that show. So like even if we're like, hey, this we like this season, they won't give us season two of it or three. We have to ask per property. And it seems like most people have to do that as well. You know who's um, the most generous though? I don't I guess is this inside baseball to say that Apple no, is like the most generous no, when it comes to like they're the only place that once you're signed up, it's yeah. like if somebody uploads something to their TikTok that works for Apple TV plus, <laughs> we get to see it. Um yeah. no, it's Which uh is so it's, cool. but yes, outside of that, all the other services are, are very stingy with especially with the sort of uh high ticket items that we might be interested in covering like week to week or close for to sure. that. So for sure. Yeah. No, so um, yeah, I, I guess there were a couple of things that fell off my ability to see them just in the last couple of days. But I started to, I started to realize I'd made choices, and that uh, you know I had a pretty good list a couple three weeks ago before I started cramming. So um, I, you know, I think I told you guys before we started recording that a lot of the stuff I watched in that last little flush um, made it onto my top twenty, but but only maybe one or two 
uh, scratch their way into the into the top ten, and I thought that was kind of interesting because so often you you do watch at the end of the you you know when you're watching movies for for this it's around that award season time it's at the end of the year when all the big uh, uh, you know favorites have come out and so you do end up watching a lot of right. really good things uh, in December and January if you're a movie yeah. fan and sure. and so it's possible to have a list that feels like you you it's all it's like the person whose favorite band is the last band they heard you know it's yeah. possible to be like oh my, my favorite movies of the year were the last 10 movies i saw <laughs> um and that didn't quite happen this time but I, I did see a lot of good ones and i think just in general we've talked about this but it's worth saying this was a good year uh in general for movies i mean like lots of different movies that that stuck with me for different reasons and i think that's always kind of exciting to feel like you're a little bit outside the stranglehold of the 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 ip and the tent poles and the franchises and you're just reacting to individual movies again it was a it, that yeah, was a sure seems like that's what characterized the year for me yeah um i have a question before we start were you surprised at how many movies on your list were or were not like uh tent pole movies were you surprised or not surprised i would say yeah, I was a little surprised, but once I realized it, it made perfect sense. You know, mm. I started to look at the tentpole movies that have come out this year, and it was like, well, yeah, we'll get to all that. We're about to we're about to say <laughs> what movies we we picked, but I think that that there is that thing where it feels like that top twenty would almost always include a bunch of uh, you know a bunch of franchise yeah, movies in any given sure. year. And was that the case this year? We'll find out soon. The one thing I was going to ask you guys is, did you have any movies? You you talked, Steve, about the difference between number nine and ten on your list. Um, because of the way that we're doing this today, it was more of a thing to me. It's like, what was 10 and what was 11? Because yes. 11 on my list, theoretically, doesn't really get talked about unless somebody else put it higher on their list. Mm. Um, right. Uh, so 20 through 11, we're just kind of whizzing through. And, and so anything that hit that 11 spot, I sort of felt bad that it, cause it was always, there's like between eight and 11, there was a lot of shuffling going on for me. Yeah. So that's the thing that I feel the most yeah. antsy about is the movie that ended up at 11 was one that I fully expected to be higher than that. So. Yeah. And I think it's a good uh, opportunity to kind of remind our listeners how we're going to do this. We, we haven't done it in a couple of years, but we kind of did this the last time, at least in some fashion or form. But basically, yeah, like John said, 20 to 11, we're going to kind of just go down and list the movies that we each selected. We're just going to go around Robin and we'll list the 20 through 11. And then when we get to our top 10s. Um, basically, each of us will, will kind of have an opportunity to go from 10. Each of us will say 10, each of us at 9. But basically, in the top 10 listings, the movie um, will be talked about basically at its highest position. So if one of us says we have a, you know, I'm going to just pick uh, if we have a, uh, Thor Jurassic Love and Thunder. World, uh, Thor, yeah, yeah, whatever. As a number 10, and John has it as five, and Ronald has it as two, we won't talk about it till Ronald gets to it at number two. We will mention it's our pick, but we'll save the conversation around the movie to, to really kind of allow it to be talked about at its highest position on any one of our lists. And then uh, at the end of our listings, what we're going to do is try to like come up with a point. Si well, we have a point system. We're going to kind of quickly tabulate, calculate, formulate and uh communicate what the top five movie schmovie picks of the year are uh based on you know kind of where they each place looking for some common threads here on our top 10 lists and i'm, I'm actually really looking forward to that most i think yeah. just to kind of see what best represents this podcast and where we're all at together i think we have a lot of similarities and enough to kind of keep us you know different and distinct i like that a lot so 
I also um, think that it's good. The three of us all ended up in the arts because we do math quickly. That's so, true too. Yeah. So it's going to be fun to see how, how well we do. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So let's get started. Ronald, do you want to go first? Yeah. Um, 11 or 20, 20, 20. Oh, and then go back. 20 yeah. is black Panther. Wakanda forever. 19 emergency. 18 Pearl, 17 to Leslie. What am I at? 16 Megan, 15 Woman King. No, am I doing this wrong? I feel like I'm. I'm I don't know. Start over. Did Megan come out last year or this year? Megan was this year. Megan was this year? 2023. The doll movie? Yeah, that came out this year? It just came out Friday. Yeah. Oh, shit. So what's twenty one? Slot that shit in real quick. <laughs> okay, now and let's start over. Can, John, John can John can cut that. Okay, no, I won't though. I don't. I don't. Do, I don't keep, spend time with that shit that. anymore. Keep that. All right, twenty. All right, so Black let's Panther. go with twenty. Okay. We're kind of forever. Yeah. Nineteen. Emergency. Got it. Eighteen. Pearl. 17 to Leslie, 16 Chippendale Rescue Rangers, mm. 15 Woman King, 13 Prey, 12 Cha Cha Real Smooth, and 11 Puss in Boots. Somebody has a new baby. <laughs> I was for watching sure. uh, all that animated stuff. Um, I guess I'll go next. Yeah, go for it. All right. Uh, so 20, Speak No Evil. 19, The Batman. 18, Moon Age Daydream. A uh, doc- documentary about David Bowie's music that was really good. Uh, 17, Emily the Criminal. 16, Watcher. 15, see how they run. 14, Marcel the shell with shoes on. 13, Top Gun Maverick. 12, after Yang. And 11, Tar. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that how you say it? Tar. Well, it's, it's got, got the that accent, accent over the A, so tar. I'm sure it's got the, it's got the yeah. extra thing at the end. And there's a little musical. If you listen to the, the, like the, the music at the beginning and end of the movie, it kind of has like a throat singing kind of, uh, you know, traditional singing aspect to it. So yeah. and I, I th- that's good. That's good. I like it. All right. So uh, 20 to 11 for me. Number 20 is I Want You Back. Uh, number 19 is a Linoleum. Number 18 is Stutz. Number 17, Sea Beast. 16, Hustle. 15, Puss in Boots. 14, The Banshees of Inisherin. Uh, where am I at? 13, Turning Red. 12, Prey. And 11, um, After Sun. Oh, okay. um, yeah, so that's where we're at. So let's... Uh, and I guess we can find a way. I don't know. Maybe we could do this in the show notes or when we get the YouTube post going. But uh, 
maybe we can find a way to kind of direct people to where at least specifically the top tens for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like how how to watch them, maybe direct what service they're on instead of kind of spending too much time oh. on each one, but right, just right. to kind of like help people find them if if they are available uh, at home. You know, if you're interested in anything that maybe you haven't heard of or you've been wanting to watch, we'll try to maybe get some notes together to help you guys find these. Um, as we uh, make our way through. So, yeah, Ronald, let's kick it. Number 10. Okay. My number 10 is the Batman. Does anybody have that higher than? I do have that higher. So, we're going to hold that. Okay. Cool. Oh, see how this works. That was that was so smooth. I shouldn't have even commented on how smooth it was. It's been <laughs> even smoother. You just um, you just put a little rough bump in it. My no, number ten. I'm sure a lot of uh, cinephiles this year had to make a choice like this when it was between number ten and number eleven. Were they going to put Tar at number ten, or were they going to put Weird, the Al Yankovic story, at number ten? Um, and I went with uh, putting Weird at ten. Now I I already talked about this on the show so i don't have a whole lot that's new to say about it i can reasonably assume maybe that nobody has weird any higher on their list for the year no. all right no go for it um i'll just say that it's like i i have a real spot in my heart and a, a, always hopefully a spot on my list at the end of the year for a movie that was silly and that made me laugh and that made me wonder like what is this but also a movie that you know a, a comedy like this that can kind of win you and lose you almost on a scene to scene basis but that never fully shakes you off. And by the time it gets to the end, you're you're more invested in laughing and like marveling at the fact that they're continuing to commit than you are tired of the energy. And I think this was like a movie that improbably, like not only did it feel competently made as a comedy like that, but it also, when I when it got to the end and I saw that Al Yankovic was one of the co-writers, I was just like, oh, it, that explains how this movie was able to nail the, whatever that other thing is in Weird Al's sense of humor that's not just like, putting in funny words for food and like making the obvious choices and then making a million jokes about the obvious choice that turned out to be funny. There's always been this weird, surreal, not mean spirited, but like just oddball quality uh, that this movie captured where some of the, some of the moves it makes are, you know, uh, a little bit more clever and sophisticated than, than you might think. And, and not to call it dark or anything like that. And so it doesn't probe the soul, but it did feel like it captured something, um, special uh, to me. That was not just me laughing at this movie, but me kind of feeling like I'm glad it exists at the end. And and also the Daniel Radcliffe factor, which again, I think we've talked about just what a fun, what a fun post Harry Potter career he has managed to create for himself. And I love yeah. to see actors who just don't seem to care, except like, does this look like fun for me? You know, as far as what roles they take. So yes, weird. Yeah. Everything I heard him talking about, yeah, with uh, with that movie, like what you just said about like his choice of movies, you know, post Harry Potter, like he was on a few podcasts that I listened to promoting weird. And that was like the through line of everything he talked about was just like people were commenting on that and complimenting him on that. And it was just constantly just saying, like, that's literally what he does is like, what what can I have fun with? What's something different? What's something that, it, you know, excites me and maybe isn't like, you know, looking to check a box somewhere, which I couldn't appreciate and respect more because yeah he's had quite an awesome post harry potter career yeah and, and weird was a lot of fun i like that one too and i do want to say one more thing about it too just is that the cameos they get that they, they do this very funny thing where they get like today's kind of like quirky um you know not fringe co comedians but just like people who if you know you know but if you don't know you might not know where you know them from but there's a lot of those types of people cameoing in this movie and they're right. playing like the era of weird al's uh, music they're playing that era's 
oddball celebrities. So you have someone like Paul F. Tompkins playing Gallagher. Um, you have uh, Emo Phillips, I believe, as Salvador Dali. Yeah. Um, you have uh, Dimitri Martin as Tiny Tim. I, I, it's just it, it, that, too, is like a fun aspect to this movie that it's just worth mentioning, just that the cameos alone are worth sitting through the movie just to see who pops up and how they use them. Because like I said, it's sometimes very obvious, but it's also very sideways, which is a thing that, you know, uh, Weird Al uh, is 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 better at than maybe people give him credit for, because we just know he like says, oh, instead of La Bamba, it's lasagna. Yeah. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Um, all right, my number 10 pick. Uh, finally, it got to see Jackass Forever. Ah, um, I, I, is it, it's not on your guys' list, right? Nope, okay, yeah. So, I think, I think, uh, anytime a Jackass movie comes out for me, it's uh, it's an experience. I sadly did not get to see this in theaters, I'd seen the other ones in theaters, and I know I've talked on this podcast before, you know, just how you know, the experience that those movies are. And I've had watching those movies in a theater with a crowd, um, you know, very few kind of things play like they do in the theater, as you can imagine. Um, but yeah, just the, the new, the new one I, I just felt was great, you know, kind of going back with the, the, the legacy crew and Knoxville and company and, and kind of meeting some new members of the cast. <clears throat> and I think they did a really good job of kind of, you know, uh, hitting a lot of the greatest hits, you know, within ter in terms of the characters that we see, you know, having almost everybody there um, that you'd expect to be there. And uh, a lot of the stunts I thought were really fun and funny. And I think they kind of really did a nice job of kind of dealing with their legacy and, you know, with where they're at in their lives and what Jackass is and was and f will forever be to each of them. And again, I, I do like the idea of them kind of ushering in, and wherever Jackass goes from here, you know, the idea of ushering in some new some new blood um, and, you know, kind of having those cast members, you know, be involved in discussing like kind of what Jackass was to them, you know, because a lot of them were like kids when it came out or if, if not even born yet, they're young, you know, and mm -hmm. um, I just thought that was a really cool balance. And I think just in, in, in all, all in all, it's just one of those great things I will watch no matter what they ever do with jackass you know whether it's a movie a series a special a 0.5 whatever comes out um i will absolutely watch and i'm i'm confident that i will love because it's a it's a it's a soft spot for me is uh i'm a huge jackass fan and uh jackass forever was a great time so it's my number 10 pick did you see the jackass gang on uh, celebrity family feud when they were on there I saw clips of them on there, which it were... was charming. I mean, I'm just <laughs> which, stressing yeah. that like Johnny Knoxville yeah. is just one of those guys who seems yeah. very genuine, seems like himself. Um, and yeah. there's this weird uh, loyalty and affection that those that that crew has for each other. It is yeah. it is very uh, unique. And and there is something that like those movies are well regarded as movies or as just pieces of entertainment <clears throat> or as just theatrical experiences or, or whatever right. it is. Um, I think that that is an interesting, uh, like a, 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 if we're talking about franchises, that's a franchise that's had like maybe longer life than you might expect. And oh, people sure. are legit excited when it comes around again. And it's like, yeah. I don't know, there's something about those, something about like a, a bunch of knuckleheads that enjoy each other that much. Um, and when you hear Johnny Knoxville talk about all the times, it's like all the times he's been like, oh, declared dead and then resuscitated on the spot or not not that. But I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah, he no, just totally. talks about it so casually. Oh, that's the third time I cracked my sternum on one of these stunts. And you're just like, you know, I would quit after the first 
time someone said you might crack your sternum right. on a stunt. So the the devotion and stuff is really is really funny. And I think whenever there's a trailer for a new thing, like if you're talk about being in the theater, even if you don't see the movie, the the trailers will will usually get a a big reaction in the theater. Oh my god, you yeah. can't say that about most trailers anymore. So yeah, classics, jackass. All right, Ronald, number nine. Okay, um, number nine, bad guys. Does anybody have that in their top 10 list? Have that okay. All right. So um, if you told me that one of the greatest heist movies that come out in 2022 or even a couple <laughs> years before was an animated movie, I wouldn't have believed you. Um, there's something about this movie that just kind of hit me um, as a as a bad kid, you know, <laughs> growing up who, who went to, you know. A bunch of stuff. I was I was permanently in detention in middle school. Like I was printed on the sheet. <laughs> um, I wish I was joking about that. I went to right. three high schools. I was kind of a bad kid, you know. Um, but there's something about the way that this movie kind of embraces, you know, the bad guys and the people that are kind of considered rough around the edges. And yeah. you see how deep the friendships go and even the crooks can get <laughs> taken advantage of. You know, it's like it's a cool movie that keeps unfolding, and I I didn't expect that in a um, in a cartoon. The voice acting is incredible, um, and this is one of those movies where it feels like they got they really reached out to get good voice actors ahead of. The names because you know mark maron's who who's mark maron's a very popular person i had him on my list for two leslie and in, in my 11 through 20 incredible actor but when you think like a-list actors you know you're not thinking mark maron is a voice actor that'll bring in a kajillion dollars but his effectiveness um just voices like that that you just can't get out of your head and right and sometimes you don't even realize who they are until you look at the credits. Just really effective voice work. And uh, I just had a ball watching the movie. And it also sounds and looks incredible. So, bad guys. I, I need to watch this one and I need to watch Sea Beast. You mentioned it in your uh, 2211, Steve. Yes, Sea Beast like... just missed the cut. But yeah, this and Bad Guys. Yeah, Bad Guys is great. I would definitely recommend it, John. Well, I mean, I have the opposite effect of what I said about you guys with the animation, which is that I don't have a kid watching animation a lot right now. So it's now on me to watch those movies and like in a timely fashion, whereas it right. used to be very much that they were events for us to have right. any kind of family fair that, that looked fun like that. Like, I know we would have seen bad guys. I know I would have, I would have watched Strange World when it came out. Uh, I know I would have yeah. watched uh, the other one you mentioned, uh, uh, Sea Beast. So, yeah, it's good to remind myself I can have some fun with that. Even if I, even if my uh, my old animation buddy is now too cynical, uh, you know, to, to want to watch that stuff, <laughs> um, at least momentarily. <clears throat> well, um, my number nine is a movie that uh, I now have a name for a thing that's on my face. I I, I knew that I had it because I have worry lines up here because I'm always like, you know, I'm always making like a worried expression, but the triangle of sadness is what they call that uh, little wrinkle formation okay. on your brow when you, when you wrinkle it a lot. And uh, the movie triangle of sadness is my number nine. Does anyone have That's that hot. on their list? Yes. All right. H higher. Oh, right. coming in. <laughs> coming in. There it is. I like it. Moving along. Triangle. I'll just say one of the best shapes and one of the strongest emotions together in a title. 
How could you not love it? For sure. (laughs) It's one of the ones I did not see. So I'm excited to hear you guys talk about it. Um, My number nine was one of my latecomers. The ones I just happened to watch recently and uh, completely knocked me out. And I actually watched it a second time. Um, It's Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Um, Great. Yeah, I know you mentioned it, John, in your, uh, you know, honorable mention section. It was my 14. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm aware of the property, aware of everybody involved. Um, knew about the movie, A24, you know, got a lot of great festival talk and everything. Jenny Slate, we stand a queen. Right, exactly. Like, you got to you gotta give <laughs> give her her flowers. Um, but I don't know, for some reason, just felt it's one of those ones that fell through the cracks. And, uh, you know, I finally sat down to watch it and I, I kind of sort of expected it, but it just knocked me out. Oh, I wow. think I, I think that the way they handle that movie, the framing device for the movie, you know, referencing the shorts and the YouTube of it all. And, you know, the story of Marcel trying to find, you know, the remainder of his family. Um, the community is, is what he the keeps community, calling yeah. it. <laughs> the community. Uh, what is it like two or more or three or more that he says I in the think, opening thing? I feel like I, I forget what the number is, but there is a number yeah. beneath yeah, which he, you're not a community. Yeah. It's just, it's so smart. It's so sweet. Uh, yeah. There's so much heart in it. Um, and uh, honestly, her voice performance in it is just phenomenal. Uh, her and um, who plays the grandmother, Annabella Rosalini? Rosalini. Yeah. yeah. She's just in- incredible uh, as Grandma Connie. Um, but yeah, honestly, I watched it. And like that night, I watched it again with Sydney. And she was so entranced by it and was like, the stop motion animation is just like really impressive. Um, and yeah, again, it's just one of those really creative, how do you stretch this out to a feature, uh, and not make it seem like, you know, in a, you know, not inappropriate, but unnecessary, whatever the right term may be. I just felt like it's a great one to put in the bucket of like, this is how you do it. Yep. You know, there's really just one character and one off screen, the whole movie pretty much. And it's so engaging. And again, just like my heart was just the whole movie like all of the introspective conversations that marcel provides and like just the time that he's had to think about things and and the way that life is approached it's like it's also just a reminder of like how to live my life and i mean not to see it sound sappy but like some of the stuff that grandma connie talks about like encouraging marcel to do the interviews and things like that Mm -hmm. i just was like fuck man I needed that reminder, maybe, you know what I mean? Like things like that just kind of hit you when you least expect it. And it's like about, you know, a movie with a show with shoes on. Um, I, I, since I had it a little earlier on my list, I'll pontificate for a second here. This movie, I mean, I, I was, you know, Jenny Slate, no kidding. I think we, we all do sort of love her. Yeah, we absolutely when she pops up in things. And this is like her aesthetic somehow or her worldview. She's got a very like sweet without being saccharine and like thoughtful That's without true. being like, she can sort of do the same things that Marcel does. Like if you hear her in an interview or, or something like that, she'll kind of do the same sort of thing. She'll go off on a little philosophical thought and then kind of poke fun at herself and get back to something. But like, yeah. she just seems like that's like the improvised. I don't know how improvised it was, but I was thinking like the scenes where they're driving around in a car and Marcel's just like, obviously they're adding in the animation of Marcel later, but I feel yeah. like it was Jenny Slate sitting in the back seat of a car and a guy driving around filming it. Who's talking to her. Cause the, the, some of the reactions were so genuine and like little chuckles you would hear that he would have like the relationship between Marcel and Dean 
is su as such that the actor playing Dean doesn't really have to do much, but just honestly react to whatever yeah. Jenny Slate is doing as Marcel. He can yeah. kind of chuckle and be like, oh, that's interesting. What do you mean by that? But there's just this general kind of drawing out of a character and it never goes exactly where you think it's going to go. And that's kind of what I think when you were talking about the particular vibe of this, Steve, there is some yeah. particular style to it that is so hard to define. And it's like, it is all that stuff at once. It's sweet and thoughtful. And the moment that really got me was when she is she kind of reveals this drawing she's done of all the people that used to be in her community and she, yeah. or no, she it's Jenny slate, but the characters are he yeah, uh, Marcel. Yeah. He, he tells us about everybody in the community and like gives like one sentence about everybody. And they're not always like really flattering sentences, but it's like little memories about that person or that, that, that shell or that spool of thread with a couple of needles sticking out of it or push pin sticking out of it or whatever that was. Um, right. But like that, it just was so sweet because it was this kind of thing of like, I remember you all and, and you are all special to me because you're part of, you're part of my world, you know? Yeah. And that really, I mean, that, that's the moment where I found myself being like, oh my God, I can't believe this has hit me emotionally so hard. And that yeah. was about a half hour into this 90 minute movie. So it still had some places to go, but that was the moment when I realized, oh, this has a weird effect on on me and i think most people would have it if they let it if they let themselves kind of sink into that gentle pacing um it's really like i think it goes to weird depths that you don't expect it to even when it's doing it so yeah yeah great movie it's great cool all right ronald number eight number eight uh ty west x does anybody have that earlier in the list or later or later in the list yeah it's hard to know Higher, uh, but, let's say higher. Okay, higher. higher. No, no, Lower. no. I do yeah. not have it higher. Ty West is. Uh, again, we we're a fan of his movies. There's something about what X did to me when I saw it that just kind of it kind of rocked my world, and it almost it's strange to feel like new things are being created, like new i new horror people. You know, people you'll see at conventions and cosplays and um, Pearl, the character Pearl and the subsequent style of dressing in X, just incredibly cool, man. Um, I I feel like I watched something that I hadn't before. You know, it's, it's this, old, this cool homage layered on just good storytelling that just felt like... Uh, his life's work. It's it's weird because it was jammed the way that the way that he describes it is that like just lockdown happened and then he needed something to do. He felt like he was going crazy and him and Mia came up with this incredible story. But what what it feels like is somebody giving the freedom to 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 do something that's a little outside of the box. It's like the restriction opened up this cool creative avenue that you know. I, I I bet he didn't even imagine. So right, uh, it was fun. The kills are cool. I can rewatch it a couple times. I have rewatched it a couple times. It's a it's a cool crowd pleaser because it touches on some like touchy things with porn and stuff like that. But it also is kind of welcoming to it the the sleaziness of it. But but also like it humanizes these people. You know, not at any point during this where I, was I like, oh, ew, these are porn stars. I was like, these are. Just people doing their jobs that happen to be interesting. Well, I mean, Ty West likes to hang out with his characters, right? I mean, the, the, yeah. the slow burn aspect, that's a, that's a, so often slow burns, you think of it as 
nothing's happening. But mm. I and I know that people, you know, opinions vary on some of his movies. We've we've kind of been hot and cold on it, but I feel like we've always come back around to those. There's this possibility with him of something being great. House of the Devil, I think, is great. I I've, I like Innkeepers more than most people, but even people that don't like it, I think, would would say that it does that same thing of like giving you a chance to spend time with characters that he clearly has affection for before things ratchet up. You know, it's like that's the thing where if you're not digging the characters, it's right. going to be a bit of a hard sell. And I think what it is about X that is very true. What you were saying, Ronald, is that thing that like just because it's important it's like it's got this engaging this the slasher structure with a little bit of intelligence applied to it this yeah. like using porn in this way that's like lurid and making you think about it just makes you think about the, the propriety of what these characters are involved in and what they're doing and if they're going about their lives the right way and how they all seem kind of liberated but they're also like doing something that's going to get them judged um and kind of put them aside from society i don't know there's an interesting uh there's an interesting thing going on with that, and yeah, Ty West is clearly the fact that he has like a little, a a little a new a new franchise going within his career or a, a trilogy or whatever he's doing here. So, yeah. um, I enjoyed that one too. Um, well, and what do we think of Kid Cudi, by the way? His performance, just I like them. Yeah, very I easy going. A lot, man. Yeah, between this and his his uh, animated movie for his album, um, not Equilibrium. It's on Netflix. It's a cool animated netflix movie uh that i cannot remember the name of that's really good but his voice acting is really good in that and then his acting is good in this so do some more stuff scott muskety um the uh movie that i have at uh number eight you 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 might say wait is is, is this a walkering there's more than one movie here this can't be can't be right there's more than one movie here but no this is just a movie that feels like it's one or two or maybe three different movies kind of mashed together that would be uh a movie that if you know it's uh it's called um what is the actual what does it stand for R something rise revolt rise roar revolt but rrr <laughs> the um three hour epic uh film that is like at least three movies maybe smashed together, maybe just two, <laughs> but it's like a, a Spielbergy adventure, like effects driven adventure epic. And it's also like a painfully earnest, almost kind of cheesy drama. And it's also a, uh, a you know, kind of a Bollywood style musical with, with great dance numbers and, uh, and a lot of like, um, you know, choreography and even shots that aren't musical are are treated with a, a choreographer's eye of the, what the body is doing and what the actors are doing and what the what the camera is showing you and you know it gets by of uh, like a lot of uh, franchise big franchise movies do with effects that are almost perfect but not quite you know so there's a lot yeah, of effects yeah, yeah. work in this that is like you know b plus level there's some stuff that looks really great but when when i looked and saw that this three-hour epic film was made for the equivalent of of 72 million dollars american <clears throat> i believe um that it kind of blew me away that it's they were able to do as much as they were able to do but it's just it's just this crazy ride i mean it's the kind of movie that like its length becomes maybe the most challenging thing about it uh, but that also allows for it to have all these shifts and all these different movies kind of buried within the movie. But it's just got so many moments of I, I kind of tried to, in fact, some of the movies I already mentioned kind of whizzed past in that in that 11 through 20 zone had moments that really stuck with me. But this movie had, you know, like that that was something that 
the higher I, I got on my list, the more I realized I was putting movies that really I reacted to strongly. And if I was thinking about that purely emotionally, I think RRR might be higher on my list. Um, it's just, it is so long and it is such a, it, you, you, might, you might want to do it in shifts um, if you sit down to watch this movie, but um, I don't know. It's like every time I thought, oh, I'm kind of losing my thread here, they would do some crazy thing that is either eye-catching or they would pay off something that was a little confusing before. And I mean, I, so many payoffs in this movie, like th up into the last half, half hour of a three hour movie, you're getting moments that are paying off things that you were kind of wondering about from sometimes 20 minutes before, sometimes an hour before. So it is like, like I said, it's got some real cheese factor to it, but it's done so skillfully that um, it just feels like an attempt to make a big, giant, epic movie. And I can really respect that. And the characters that you meet and the way that there's this crazy bromance between these two characters where they, <clears throat> they fight, they dance, they, they, they run alongside trains together. They do all this crazy stuff. There's a moment where they're training and, and one of them gets on the other one's shoulders and the one that's on bottom like does squats and they're so happy while they're doing. It's just this crazy, like, it's like a different style maybe of action filmmaking, uh, but also like, Beyond the cultural differences, I think people are responding to this movie because of just how much movie it is. You know, sometimes you see a movie and you go, wow, they tried to give me the most movie um, that they could give me. And since something that's real maximalist, like like Avatar The Way of Water really didn't make my list, I was thinking I do need to have a spot. And since some of these other, you know, effects driven franchise movies did not make my list, I thought I need to have a spot for one of those movies that's just like about spectacle, a, a sort of a pure attempt to give you like a an old fashioned spectacle. And I, I really think that um, RRR does that and more. And also, if you like to watch those those dance sequences there's they're punctual there's the fights and the, the dances are, are well punctuated throughout the movie you know you get them right when you think oh, i kind of like to have another musical sequence now you get one i kind of like to see another crazy fight where they break all the laws of physics um and it's like a ballet and you get one <laughs> and you get lots of those so as long as you want to stick around uh and you know and deal with the kind of historical drama which i'm to understand is like wildly uh changed from reality for the movie i think it's being criticized by people who know better but from a pure uh you know just as a viewer i kept getting kept getting more interested in this as opposed to less as it went along so rrr very cool uh my number eight ronald mentioned it in his honorable mentions but my number eight is cha-cha real smooth mm. um this is one of those that just kind of came out earlier in the year um was it at one of the festivals? I think it yeah. was, right? Yeah, one of the ones we had access to. Yeah. Uh, this is this is uh, the newer film from Cooper Rafe. Uh, Dakota Johnson's in it. Leslie Mann's in it. Um, I, you know, it's just one of those things that, honestly, like we talked about it a lot on the show. I didn't really know a whole lot about it. Um, I I had seen Shithouse, uh, which was Cooper's film that came out prior. And, uh, you know, I don't know that I'm like the biggest Dakota Johnson fan uh, in general, but I feel like I, I may have turned a little bit after this movie. Um, just kind of like one of those coming of age, you know, even not in the proper age of your life, like where you're just trying to figure out what to go do with your life. Um, and you know, this movie about this kind of party MC, uh, bar bat mitzvah MC, whatever you call it, this, his job function in the movie, uh, he stumbles, you know, across this mother and daughter and kind of forms this relationship with Dakota Johnson and her daughter, um, you know, and it's just their relationship. The the the. I didn't know she was at having a daughter in a movie age yet, but I guess she is. That's yes, just... she is. Yep, All yep, right, she well, is. Um, she had her young, John. Um, 
I don't know. I, I just I just really like the story. I really like the performances were really good. Um, and it just uh, like a lot of the ambiguity and the uncertainty and like just the confusion of the movie felt like super relatable. Yeah. Um, and not even that I could, you know, at a certain point in my life, you know, in terms of what am I doing? It definitely felt like a, a bit of a a mirror for me looking back at when I was at that point. Um, and not that I was meeting moms at bat mitzvahs, bar mitzvahs, uh, or anything like that, but you went you know, through there a phase. Was a, I went through a phase. There was a turn, <laughs> you know, there's a relatable turning point into like, what am I doing? You know? And it's the mm-hmm. pressures of, you know, your family, your friends, the people that, you know, had expectations for you and what you had for yourself. Um, and what that does and does not need to be um to make you happy i I just i just really liked the movie a lot and it it was one of those ones uh that surprised me you know on my list you know it's one of the movies probably i would say probably with marcel on there that were you know two of the bigger surprises for me only because either i had no expectations or didn't really kind of see it as making that big of an impact on me but yeah cha-cha real smooth really uh had a impression or made an impression um and again it was earlier in the year and it kind of stuck around for me um, and that's a that's on Apple um, Apple TV Plus, one of the movies they got. Um, but yeah, I definitely recommend that. That's my number eight. Ronald, you're number seven. Lucky number seven. My number seven is Barbarian. Uh, does do, anybody do, have do, a... do, 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 do. Just that's the that's the song that plays when you have to wait. Oh, cool. <laughs> That's exciting. <laughs> that's really exciting. John's like, that's the song. <laughs> okay, cool. Whose pick is it? Seventh. Uh, that's my my yeah. my my my, my Nucky Lumber Slevin is um uh a movie that a lot of people I think said the opposite of the title when they heard it was coming out. They said, "Yep, I'm going to go see." Nope. Okay. <laughs> So this is where it's going to get weird because we're going to get into all these points where like (laughs) we get these movies that like are going to just be like, okay, just let's let's just run through the list here, guys. Okay, Uh, right, right, right. Because just because the order is slightly different. Right. Right. Uh, All right. So my number seven is uh, what am I? Ten, nine, eight, seven. My number seven is Glass Onion. A Knives Out Mystery. Okay, cool. Perfect. So I love it. I love it. Okay. So this is shit. It's it's my pick then. Number Number six. six. My number six is Triangle of Sadness. All right. So talk to me about that one. Do you have that one on your list, Steve? I do not. I did not see that. Oh, that's right. You said you didn't see it. So. All right. So if Menu was kind of muddy about its message when it comes to class and and representation and this movie succeeded i feel like it executed it feels like two movies yes uh but what it really succeeds in is kind of shedding a light on privilege and uh class and beauty and also like how your status really depends on where you are physically on earth you know and when you know the the business world and the 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 high high class high stakes world 
can give you the impression that you can make it anywhere. And there's a there's a small character in this movie that kind of shows everybody that, you know, when it comes to the primal, when it comes to, you know, the, the things that you need in this world, like really need, like foods, you know, water, fire. <laughs> there there's some people that that would rise <laughs> to the occasion uh and they are ch- alphas in this space <laughs> uh and it's just it's just a cool commentary on that stuff um and i feel like you know we were talking about how parts of the menu felt like they got a little weird <clears throat> i feel like this kind of made it like this tied it up in a way that i was like oh man this this tackled it in a way that i I think did it a little better. Um, and it had it had its like symbolic like flights of fancy too. Like yeah, but it yeah, it, sure. it did it better. Like for instance, I was talking to a friend about this, the um because I had Triangle of Sadness at number nine. So I'm glad to finally get to say this. But like I, about how um basically the whole the whole idea of the menu is kind of contained in that one scene of Triangle of Sadness where they're having dinner. <clears throat> And everybody's eating the fancy dinner that's that looks like disgusting food uh, that's being served on the cruise ship. But Woody Harrelson, the captain, is eating a burger. Like they made yeah. him a burger. Oh, yeah, right, right, right. And it's like right. in that one scene, they kind of contain. And it's like that tells you a little something about. I mean, and, and you know, the movies aren't fighting each other. No. But if no. you're looking at the no. menu as like a class satire, you realize that what it has to say is this very kind of narrow thing about like foodies and the sort of culture vultures that hang on to something like the food the you know like hot cuisine or whatever like there's all this stuff going into the menu that's uh that's just summarized in this because they have a much bigger picture of true survival (laughs) yeah uh, being depicted and um and i really think that uh yeah i think the way it modulates it's it's that kind of thing steve where it starts off and you feel like it's going to be one kind of movie that's like set in the sort of world of models and influencers and it's 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 uncomfortable and cringy and powerful enough when it's just that scene at dinner where um the the dude says to his girlfriend like oh i thought you said you were going to pay for tonight or whatever however that goes oh but my it gets God. so twisted between the two of them after that and it's so uncomfortable <laughs> he can't back his way out he can't and then he can't say the right thing and then we see a side of him come out where you're like oh wait a minute maybe this guy's not this sweetheart that we maybe thought he was or this kind of simpleton that we thought he was but then then the movie throws you into this other world with all these other characters and they're just up they're just a couple of people that are part of this other storyline uh, but right. i i could have hung out in the world of models and influencers and their Me miserable too. existences and how they they have money but they don't have money you know like they're being forced to live off of credit cards at these fancy restaurants and in oh. these in these places where and they're going gig to gig but they're they're not necessarily advancing themselves at all and they're getting used up the that that could have been enough of a satire, um, yeah, sure. but the the beautiful people are just a couple of the sort of elites that you get to see on this cruise ship um, when things you know that that occur occur. And yes, I will just say the character you're referring to, Ronald, the the, the particular character that emerges uh, in the final act is is honestly. If I was judging movies based on like, oh, this movie is on my list because it has something that sticks with me, that yeah. character's role and how they yeah. play it um, and what a gangster they are <laughs> is like something that was incredible to me to witness on yeah, film and something sure. that really like ties this, this the class critique, the satire of, of you know, the elites versus the haves versus the have nots yeah. that becomes incredibly like brutally uh, pointed when when you're when you see that final 
third or whatever. So yeah, yeah. yeah great, sure. great movie. Genuinely unsettling, but but yeah. funny. Yeah, for sure. Man. <clears throat> John. So does that mean I? Oh, that's right. Uh, so I'm my number six then, right? That was your number six, correct, Ron? Uh, yes. Correct. All right, my number six um, uh, is this is the other shoe dropping, perhaps. I don't know if anyone else has it higher, but the glass onion. All right. So that was it. Was that you, Steve, that mentioned this a couple turns ago? Yeah, it was. Uh, what was it? My number seven. Your number seven. Well, we yeah. we talked about this on a very recent episode. In fact, our last episode, we did it like a whole segment on this. So I don't know that we really need to say too much more. But I will just say that in a year where you get the menu and you get Triangle of Sadness and you get Glass Onion, it's like we are definitely dealing with our feelings about rich people um, and <laughs> the creative class who you might consider to be like rich people. Ryan Johnson is a rich guy. Um, he's making a, a, you know, by many of our standards, he's a rich guy, but you realize the kind of wealth that these rich people have still far outstrips what like a, a successful director has in most cases. Right, um, right. You know, uh, so I think that like Glass Onion, it's just, it's continuing to be a conversation piece uh, with people as the year ends and people are talking about their, their best of lists, but also just the, 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 points the movie's trying to make i know people that hate this movie i know people that love this movie and i just know that like it's happening that people are conversing about this movie and i think that that's like something you know again that's another thing that makes it feel like when you look back on this year you definitely want to say that glass onion was a movie that you kind of you know you you give a slot to because it, it seems to have hit a mark right steve yeah and i mean it's it's probably one looking at my list like you know one of the things i notice is just like rewatchability on my list um yes the the vast majority of my top 10 i've already watched multiple times but this is one that stands out like we mentioned it on the episode like i just feel like you know once you once you know uh the story and you and you know what the whole you know who done it or the puzzle the whatever you want to figure out um this is definitely a movie that is rewarding on a rewatch i think you know in terms of um how meticulous and just like intentional ryan johnson is you know and the script is so tight um but like you know just how intentional everything is through the whole movie once you kind of understand what's happening if you were unsure of it the first watch i just think everything kind of drops into place so nicely and um yeah it's just so entertaining you know and we we said it before but it's just like one of these new franchises or newer franchises that really does feel like something that I don't have any interest in ever seeing end. I really just feel like if, 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 if he's involved and Daniel Craig is involved, you know, I just think that, you know, this has a possibility for, you know, James Bond being Daniel Craig's like, you know, iconic role. I think, you know, honestly, Benoit Blanc and wherever knives out goes as a IP, it could, it could possibly exceed that in some way, you know, in terms of, you know, likability, what he gets to do with the character and just the amount of people that watch these movies. Um, Glass, Glass Onion was a blast. Um, it was, it's funny. Um, I love the puzzle box nature of it, kind of mixing it up a little bit. And uh, all the performances are just, are just great in it. So, and he has the ability to do that in all of his movies. I think he, he brings the best out of his uh, actors and actresses and, uh yeah glass onion yeah that was not that was it's great my number seven and if you want to hear us say slightly different things about it just listen to the 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 previous episode in the feed yeah where we yeah. spent a whole segment talking about it this will probably be you know my number six is i'm, I'm guessing it's probably going to be something that i'm skipping again because uh i don't know where it falls elsewhere but uh my number six is uh barbarian Beep. 
do do dee. Yeah. Okay. Do do dee. Okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. okay. Shoot. So uh, Ronald, your number five. My number five is Tar. Okay. Tar. Um, <laughs> um commentary on the rich. Uh commentary on privilege. Uh, privilege. And what and what and what how a lot of it can be created. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, it feels like a biopic. Um, there's a segment, there's two two things that feel like masterful. I mean, like that I can think of like some of the best directing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, one is uh the actual interview that's kind of like inside the actor studio. Mm-hmm. One take, nonstop dialogue. It's 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 like a whole interview and it's just nonstop quips. It is insanely filmed, insanely done. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like it, man. Um and then uh there's a the scene that everybody that, that's gonna have think pieces for the rest of our lives is a classroom scene um where mm-hmm. there's a piece of Oh, there's a musician that uh, a student has a problem with for various reasons. And Kate Blanchett's character tears him an asshole, a new asshole. <laughs> no, obviously that character, no, no, that was Ronald. You can you're not spoiling anything. This character we know d- didn't have an asshole before this. He didn't have so an he asshole. Got, he got his first asshole torn. And then he <laughs> got one created. It's just crazy to watch. So in a way, she, she helped him, but it still him, wasn't man. nice. <laughs> she helped him because it previously was coming out of his mouth, and then she's just like, "Let me do something for you. Let me create That's... an asshole for an asshole." Yep. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just such a powerful scene that is both right and right, very right and very wrong simultaneously. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's funny, man. Like it it's it's it has this. A lot of people are saying that this is like destroying woke culture, but two things are happening at the same time. And if you're smart enough to realize what's happening, then you, you'd say that both sides don't come out on it, uh, come out of it um, too well. Um, at I least think inter- I think more even than that, I think it's supporting if you want to say it's about woke culture, which I think is yeah. or cancel culture. I think it's much more about the monster at the core of something like this. Like if you wonder about the Weinstein or the, I mean, you you wonder about the people that are at that level, not that she's that bad, but there is this whole thing with her of like, what has this character done? And you find out through context clues about what's really going on. And you gradually get a picture that's pretty firm in your head. But like the idea that she's like a monster whose reputation insulates her from consequences until it doesn't. Yeah. To me, is much more about her and like her reaction to the changing mores and like the the way that people talk about things now. To me, it feels like it's cluing us into the fact that this character is headed for a fall because, um, or at least a possible fall, because um, the movie stages things in such an interesting way that you don't really see the scenes you think you're going to see, uh, and you don't really end at the moment you think you're going to end. And there's, yeah, I think this is like a, a really well paced movie, a really well yeah. shot and edited movie. Um, and you know, people are talking about Kate Blanchett once again being great, but I think um, beyond that, it just it gets at that issue in a way that to me takes it away from that issue of like who do you believe because it's so clear to me 
the who we should believe, or at least it's clear to me that something wrong was done. And the specifics yeah. of that don't matter as much as watching this person who thinks they can't be touched um, be be touched by something they've done. Yeah. Um, so I don't see how people get out of it that this movie somehow is an attack on cancel culture or woke culture. I mean, it's like you're, what you're witnessing is a terrible person attack woke culture and cancel culture, but it's not like the movie. It's that, you know, the, this might be a broader topic, but I feel like audiences nowadays, there seems to be a, a scary amount of people who think that if you depict something in a movie, you're like endorsing it. And yeah. If a movie doesn't like end on a note of like, we saw the bad person get punished for the very thing we knew they needed yes. to get punished for. Like sometimes movies end with a, a Pyrrhic victory or they end with a, an outright uh, reversal of what you want to see happen. Um, and it leaves you thinking about that, but that's not because the filmmaker wanted wants that to happen it's not an endorsement just to show it and i think this movie gets at that discussion of like i don't think we're really supposed to admire lydia tar i think we're supposed to see her as smart and 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 you know wonder about like what's the loss maybe um of her or her career being ruined but i don't think the movie makes a real strong argument that people like this should should be immune to <laughs> consequences at all so yeah anyway <clears throat> Mark Strong's also really good in that, by the way, in a non-showy role, but he was really yeah. good. He's great. Or John. Okay, so that means my number five, right? Yep. Um, bar, 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 barbarian. Isn't that the old Beach Boys song? That's it, that's <laughs> yeah. it. yep. Bar, 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 barbarian. Um, yeah, barbarian. I think that was someone's previous pick. Was that you, Ronald, or Steve? That had uh, barbarian? Both of us, yeah. Oh, both of us. Yeah. Okay, so you have, yeah. it, you, you have it at five. I had it at six, and Ronald had it at seven. Yep. Okay. So yeah, I guess we all liked Barbarian, and I think again, it's a movie that I'm going to want to remember for this year. And it also is doing a similar thing. I mean, like going from a discussion of Tar to a discussion of Barbarian, it also has like a canceled person at the center of this story or close to the center of it. And witnessing like, again, behind the scenes of a person who's had that happen to them. It doesn't mean the movie's trying to make you sympathize with this person. In fact, Barbarian, it seems to be an exercise in like how unsympathetic can a person be? And yet they are still the person that you are following through like a, a nightmare. In a horror movie, you always gain yeah. compassion for the person and you see going through the nightmare well this character like defies your ability to develop compassion for them and then the the <laughs> other the co-lead of the story is almost in the other direction an almost absurdly uh moral person who's trying to do the right thing uh far beyond my my you know ability to do that so um yeah i just think i'll i i think this movie will live in my mind for a long time what, what was it that made it uh, land on your lists um okay ronald uh the less you know, the better. <laughs> um, you know, I it was a hard, you know, when somebody told me to see it, they just said, like, don't look at any trailers. I mean, if you do look at the teaser, but like don't don't look into it, just watch it with a with a fresh sort of perspective. I was blown away, man. whatever this thing is on, you know, just just when you think it it has it has you. It takes some trips that you don't think you, that that a that a horror film would take. It's it's just it's it's very aware of of uh, the scope of it. You know, it gets bigger mm -hmm. than smaller, than bigger than smaller. You know, the the the, the character turns are really cool. Uh, some of the characters in this movie will maybe make you vomit, and I think there's something so cool about that. <laughs> something about 
going into a movie one way and then leaving out being like, what the fuck did I just watch? Like, you know, Ronald, if someone said to me, this movie's going to make you throw up, I wouldn't believe him. <laughs> but if someone right. came to me and looked me in the eye the way you just said, you know, this movie, it it, it would maybe make you vomit. <laughs> I would actually <laughs> consider, could I, could I have that reaction? I do think like there's the notion of things in this movie that are extreme yeah. and, um, but don't you think it's amazing that what's still the most notable thing about the movie is like the way that it's structured? Like is with all the stuff yeah, that happens yes. on screen, yes. what really makes it special is the way that the story is told. And I just think that like, it, I think there's a sketch comedian um, who wrote and directed it, or at least that was, that's in their past. And I think you can see that kind of sketch comedian's approach to a scenario of like, let's take a scenario and spin it out and spin it out and spin it out. And then like, <laughs> what can we do? That's like dropping the floor out from, from under the, the viewer. Right. Like, and that, you know, that's a comedian's urge, but it's also, a, it, as we've discussed in the past, it's a good urge for, for horror films too. Yeah, yeah for sure. Steve, did you have any? Um, new yeah, thoughts about no just a lot of what a lot of what you guys said i mean we talked about it on a prior episode um a lot uh but yeah i just feel like the pacing of it the story structure is really what kind of like makes it feel unique i think also just the idea of um you know s some of the some of the editing some of the way that the film is shot like some of the, basically just the filmmaking in general around it from uh yeah zach Kreger is the director and writer or co-writer he did that he was a part of that uh the whitest kids you know um that that's the sketch group john mentioned but yes yeah i don't know i just feel like it kind of felt so fresh and and new and kind of unpredictable and i think that's kind of a rare thing now and um especially in the horror genre it's it's always exciting to kind of feel an experience um you know a movie like this like ronald said the less you know the better or you know just like it, when a movie like this comes out and you're like going cold like when you hear that you're like oh there's something in store here possibly um something that maybe i i don't see coming and that might be kind of exciting to experience again and yeah this movie kind of checks all that and i think the performances are really great justin long we've, we've talked about before i just think is like an mvp of most things that he's in and uh you know his performance in this is great um but yeah, it's definitely one that stuck around for, you know, a year of great horror movies. And, and, you know, there's been a few mentioned already on the podcast for this this top list of the year. It's just, you know, this is one for sure that felt wholly unique and original and different and um, is, you know, one of the ones that's going to stand out for me. Uh, you know, I think in time, this movie, too, will find an, an even bigger audience and the word of mouth and, you know, the, hey, did you check out Barbarian yet? Like, it's kind of like, uh, oh, I got to check that out. Um, I think it's only going to help the movies, you know, legacy from here forward. But yeah, the, yeah, Barbarian is is great, and you know, to be right there in the middle of all of our lists is a is a great thing. Um, I'm glad the movie got that kind of acknowledgement. Cool. Uh, so I guess I'm number four. I think I got I I, I got to do my five still. You do right. oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. John did five. Um, oh. My five. I, I don't know if you guys have any of this or not on yours, but uh, my five was the Fablemans. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, right. um, so that was my five. I'll wait. Okay. My number four is Nope. Okay, cool. Cool, 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 cool. All right. My number four is the Fablemans. Hey, that was quick. I like it. 
I like so, it. So, Steve, uh, Ryle and I talked about this one a little bit when we had seen it, and you had not. So now that you've seen it, and I see that you must have liked it at least a little, talk to me about the Fablemans. I know you're a Spielberg guy. Um, did you go through the same journey of like, oh, I don't know, this this sounds interesting, but it might be kind of, I don't know if I'm that yeah. interested in this. But then when you saw what it actually was, you realize how much, like, he's so much more tough-minded and sophisticated than I think people want to give him credit for. And this that, that this is Absolutely. his version of a coming-of-age story is full of so much pain and so much honesty about some kind of bleak stuff. But also, yeah, how about that ending? I don't know. Talk to me about it. <clears throat> yeah, I, I just feel like what you guys kind of told me about it when you checked it out. And yeah, I mean, I was kind of always in the bag for a Spielberg movie about basically Spielberg coming into <laughs> filmmaking and, you know, that that backstory. And, and you know, the being able to see the stuff about his family and you know you'd always heard stories about his family and his parents specifically his mom and dad in in his like legacy so kind of seeing that uh put on the screen finally like you know he's talked a lot about and i mentioned it a lot on the show but like i listened to tons of podcasts and tons of awards interviews and being able to hear steven spielberg talk about himself a lot has been like such a rewarding thing as like a massive spielberg fan mm -hmm. um because he's a pretty He's like the biggest name in show business. I mean, arguably, right? And I mean, like, he's a pretty, you know, he knows who he is, but he's a pretty, like, kind of humble person, I think, in general. If you listen to him talk about his projects, he always talks about other people and doesn't focus on himself a lot. But I mean, I like the idea of him really kind of talking a lot about his past and his, and his upbringing and his family and his heritage and all that stuff. So to kind of really see that um, in a movie, um, with great performances by the people that he's cast in the film. I think the you know, the guy, um, what's his Gabriel, um, that plays, you know, him plays Sam in the movie, um, is just incredible. But I think the big takeaway for me, and I don't know if you guys really talked a lot about it. Um, there are a couple scenes that really kind of just knock you out. Yeah. The ending is just fucking perfect. Um, yeah. but I just love the idea of like, you know, watching that, this movie, it just jumps out at you so much, you know, like pieces of this movie, pieces of his life and like where it comes up in his iconic movies that we already yes. know and love. You know, I love the idea of being able to watch this and like feel moments of E.T., you know, feel moments of close encounters. It just feels so exciting for me as a film goer, as a movie fan, as you know, Spielberg is my favorite director of all time. And many of his films are my favorite films of all time. You know, top two movies are his. And I just feel like it was such a rewarding experience. It was a joy to watch this movie. And, you know, honestly, and learning more about his family and the stuff he faced as a kid and, you know, his, his, a lot about his mother and his, you know, all that, that, all that stuff was so rich for me. And I just feel like it just paid off so well, the way the movie kind of moves forward. And we kind of follow, you know, Sam through the story. Um, I don't know. And just like kind of how the way that, you know, movie making, filmmaking, art, creativity kind of gave him an ability to take control of his life in ways that maybe he felt a lack of and a lot of, you know, the things that surrounding him. It just was really, it really, really hit me. And uh, um, yeah, the, the last like, you know, 10, 15 minutes of the movie is you know, maybe, maybe the best last 10, 15 minutes of a movie, uh, for me this year, I think, but, uh, yeah, yeah I, I, mean, I, I loved it. That cameo that we get at the yeah. end yeah. is incredible. Um, I think people already know about this out there, but I, if you don't, I'm not going to ruin it for you. Um, I will say this, there was a clip of Scorsese talking to Spielberg about the casting of that cameo Yeah, and watching that 
I said to a friend of mine, it's like seeing Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster talking about the Jersey <laughs> Devil. You know, it's like, know, it's like these mythical creators that have shaped, as you've said, our lives, you know, uh, yeah. in some strange way. Um, not to be overly dramatic, but I just mean like the cultural fabric. Yes, yeah, Spielberg, uh, the, the, who he cast to play an icon, an icon to play an icon. Um, supposedly the, 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 the person cast in the movie agreed to do it and then said, I needed it. Like basically they needed the hat, um, because they were going to wear it, you know, around for like a few yeah. weeks before they, they played the the part in this, the, the scene. Uh, but anyway, um, that ending, yes, perfect. The two or three moments that are the sort of little filmic touches. I mentioned the mirror moment to Ronald. Uh, I, yeah. you probably know the moment I'm talking about, yep. but so what you're talking about, Steve, is like not just to where Steven Spielberg found his, like how, how Stevie got his groove, uh, back or got his groove for the first time through film, but also like how being a creative person sets you on this path of almost like you're going to forsake your family and you're going to forsake yeah. a normal life and you're going to forsake living a life where you aren't constantly filtering it through, oh, that's a good idea for a story or that's a great moment or I can use that or I wonder what, da, 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 whatever. The, it's like it, 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 it was a surprisingly honest and kind of, uh, uh, you know, honest assessment of of that idea, the choice to be, you know, a, a somewhat selfish choice in a strange way to be yeah. um, not the next Steven Spielberg, but the the Steven Spielberg. You know, when people talk about the next, he's the he's the first one. Um, and uh, yeah, a, a, a really carefully made, very gentle movie in some ways. And I think the way it treats the parents is very like does it doesn't doesn't shy away from uncomfortable stuff. But it also really dignifies the choices and the the love uh, shown by his parents. I think in some yeah. in some key ways. So, um, and I mentioned to Ronald, but yeah, Seth Rogen is one of those guys who I just uh, I you know I love him, <laughs> and yeah. I thought he was unexpectedly great. great in this. Except I yeah. might expect it, but I just mean it was fun to see him play a character where I actually heard that they said tone it down, like be don't be as funny as you are like you can't be as funny and charming as seth rogan you have to be a slightly more dull version of a funny charming guy for this character to to work mm -hmm. um because you know he's the improv master of like making a character really <laughs> pop so anyway uh the fablemans uh you you liked this movie right ronald it wasn't oh, on your I list but it. i remember I loved you it. enjoyed it yeah the only reason it didn't make my list is because i i forgot just because of the sheer volume <laughs> of movies i i really did like this would have been somewhere if not 11 then like 10 for mm -hmm. sure um but yeah it was it was incredible man um all right so my number 4 uh what what is my number my, my number 4 was ronald's number 10 and that's the batman um that was my 19 as you may remember so yeah. yes we can talk about yeah. the batman you know, I don't know, like, you know, in a time when DC, you know, they had a huge hit with Joker and, you know, it's its own thing. And Matt Reeves comes along and for all the all the story and history around this movie coming to be, um, it just was a long road to get there. But I just felt like it was such a success and it paid off in so many ways. Um, it's, you know people start talking when it starts, you know, screening for certain groups or certain critics or trade, whatever, you know, like the comparisons to things like seven. I mean, even the trailer felt like seven. Yeah. Um, but that kind of vibe um, around the film was just so uh, interesting to me. And I'm, we all discussed this, but you know, just that vibe and that kind of tone 
the way that Gotham looked and felt, uh, I think was probably one of the better realized versions of Gotham that we really have gotten so far in uh, any of the modern Batman movies, to be honest. Um, yeah, Gotham's like a cursed place or like a, yeah. a kind of a scary place. And I do think that having just read a bunch yeah. of graphic novels uh, with my son around that time that were like the key graphic novels that went into making that movie, we both had that feeling of like, just that, like, if nothing else, this movie really nailed that idea that God, I mean, it's a, it's a cliche to say the city is a character, character but Gotham yeah. <laughs> City really is kind of a character. And it is really kind of the character that Batman interacts with the most, in a sense. It's right. about his relationship with Gotham. And I think this movie did a good job of saying, like, if you're asking why are we doing another Batman, um, it wasn't yeah. just to make it darker, which I didn't necessarily think this movie was darker in some ways, but it was also more comic booky in the ways that we're talking about it, creating this kind yeah. of world of Gotham. And, uh, you know, the reasons given and the, the version of Batman we get in this, I thought Robert Pattinson was was great. It was great. Yeah, yeah he's great in it. Um, you know, Andy Serkis is great in it. I mean, uh, Zoe Colin Kravitz, Farrell? Kravitz was incredible. Zoe Kravitz, Colin Farrell, Paul Dano, like everybody just in everybody's just turned up, man. Like, I just felt like the whole movie just and, and honestly, like, you know, always talking about pacing and things like that. I felt like the movie was was moving at a clip for me like i was in it i was on it mm -hmm. and i i really enjoyed you know the mystery element of it and this detective story and kind of getting into that idea of batman um and uh you know the the cinematography is just gorgeous um greg frazier shot this and the score is great jacchino i just it's just is one of these you know, when I'm looking at my list and I'm thinking about where, you know, whatever comic book IP is any at any given time of the year, it's like I look at my list and I don't have a Marvel film anywhere in sight. Um, but I have a DC movie directed by Matt Reeves with a Batman uh, for the first time. And it's just like all this freshness to me. Yeah. Um, I'm a little surprised, but maybe not. I don't know. I love Matt Reeves. I've pretty much loved everything he's made. Yeah, me and too. um I think he's just one of those guys where I'm like, yeah, I'm in, I'm, I'm in if he's involved. And I like the idea, you know, of, of him being able to build this out a little bit and whatever they do with this Batman franchise, um, the, the, the penguin series, if it, you know, if it still happens on HBO max, you know, Colin Farrell was just incredible. The whole, that car sequence with the penguin and Batman. Oh my God, man, that scene like that, that's a standout. That's a probably a top five of the year in terms of like my theatrical going experience this year, seeing that in Dolby uh, and feeling the score, feeling the sound, the mix, the edit, like it just that, that car sequence, when that fucking car lights up in the rain, in the dark mm -hmm. and comes out. I mean, that's a goosebump moment for me this year, for sure. Uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know. The more I thought about it, I've rewatched it a couple of times home since it, since it, you know, was available um, you know, and I think there's a reason it's the most watched thing, you know, on HBO Max, you know, and it's a huge hit. And um, yeah, the Batman for me, number four. Cool. Uh, my number three is Top Gun. Cool. I, even, I think I lost the uh, melody, but I just kind of <laughs> went with it. No, you kind of went with like a military sort of thing. That was, <laughs> it fits the, the content. Um, well, my number three is Pearl, which I think, Ronald, you mentioned earlier. Did you? Yeah, Pearl was my number 18, I right. believe. Yeah, Pearl. Um, 
I mean, I keep coming back around to this idea of what's going to stick with me. Um, and, you know, I, I mentioned this before and you actually mentioned it in your segment on, on X, which is the, the movie that precedes Pearl in the Pearl trilogy or whatever we're dealing with here. Um, uh, but like, I think that there is something new going on with this character and their reasons. I think what I said before is that like the reason why this character is scary is something very kind of real and relatable in our moment that we're having now, where there's a lot of people who kind of crave fame as just a, a way of life almost, or just, they want to be famous. They want to be that person who gets noticed. They want to be that person who's not going to be obscure. And it's like, okay, having big dreams is something that we all sort of, there's a lot of movies about how great it is and important it is. The movie Weird, the Al Yankovic story is all about how important it is to have a dream of, you know, writing parodies about baloney and stuff. But, but the character of Pearl is someone who wants to be famous and, you know, she does have sort of a light that shines inside her and she might have a little smidge of talent, but she's, she's too Pearl to, to really make all that stuff work for her. <laughs> and the way that that turns her into a scary character is to me, the new fresh thing about the, this, this, maybe this trilogy, because there is a, a third part hinted at, at the end of, of this movie. Um, <clears throat> but I think it's coming pretty soon too. So this is like a, you know, within a couple of years, Ty West will have made this little series and we'll be able to assess like what it was really all about. But the movie Pearl, on its own, not as a sequel, not as a prequel, just really showed me this, this person who I fully believed. And I think that it's Mia Goth. I mean, we're giving a lot of props to the character of Pearl and to the Ty West directing, but it's really, I think Pearl is even more of a collaboration with Ty West. Like she co-wrote the story with him. And you can really feel that, that emphasis on like an actor who, if you look at her performances and her roles, she's, she's done really interesting work in some, 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 notable movies and i think that pearl is a total showcase for like what she can do and it's presented in such a way that you can definitely say okay that nine minute monologue that slowly uh pulls in on her face that is definitely like a big like a, a highlight reel moment but it's not just that moment even without that scene i was already feeling the way i'm describing about this character and about this performance that like pearl is pearl freaks me out like if i was hanging out with pearl right now yeah. And I could tell things had gone south. I don't know how I would get out of here. I like all I would have to do would be to get my shoes and keys and make it to my car and I'd be fine. And I don't know how I could guarantee I would be able to do that with Pearl in the room. Like that yeah. she would find some way she'd stop me with a, well, are you mad or something? There'd be some way that I wouldn't be able just to jump up and run out. Cause that's all you can do is just jump up and run out with someone like Pearl. And but if she might throw a pitchfork at you when you're doing that. So yeah. you gotta be careful. Um, yeah. I just think it, it's creepy and there's something human and true about it. And I'm excited to see what the, if, if it is the capper, I'm excited to see what, uh, I think Maxine is the name of the, the third movie that's supposed to be coming. So, you know, with three, uh, three X's with three X's. X's yes. <laughs> uh, st so staying with the porn thing, but if the first one was set in the seventies and this one flashes back to like the twenties, I guess, um, twenties or twenties or thirties, the next one is going to be the eighties, uh, seems to be the, the, the thing that we can expect. And also that's the thing that Ty West has proven he can do well because house of the devil feels like it was made in, in 1984 or something. So yeah, I'm, I'm really, I mean, I just think Pearl is one of those movies, <clears throat> you know, it's maybe not the most fun movie to sit down and think about rewatching, but I do think it has that kind of value of like knowing what happens is not really the story. It's really watching just all the, all the different uh, levels of uh, nuts that uh, Mia Goth can <laughs> portray as this character. <clears throat> It's me. Oh, 
No, no, I was, I, 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 was, I was making sure John was done. Um, so my number three is Nope. So we can finally talk about Nope. Um, I don't, I don't know. Like we talked a lot about it on the podcast and about Jordan and Monkey Paw. And uh, this is another, again, you know, talking about rewatchability. This is something that, you know, so I was able to see in theaters, thankfully. I think maybe we all did. And um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just one that has stuck with me. I've rewatched it more times. And again, this is this is a filmmaker that is very intentional, very deliberate, you know, in a, in a rewatch. Um, you know, everything that is you're seeing on the screen, every character bit, every character dialogue, all the stuff that is being given, you know, visually, you know, with the dialogue, et cetera. It's just it's so intentional. And I think that that just is like something that Jordan Peele. You know, I don't know. He's 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 one of few that does it with the consistency. I mean, he he's a brand of his own. You know, there's only a few directors out there. If you say, like, I'm going to go see the new Jordan Peele movie, I'm going to see the new, you know, I don't know, Christopher Nolan movie, Spielberg, I don't even know. But not even Spielberg, because, you know, th these, these movies don't make money. Yeah, Tarantino, you know, talking about movies that make money, that people go see. You know, there's only, that you can count them on one hand, probably, still. And But but Jordan Peele is no doubt one of them. And, um, you know, I think in some ways, this is, this is one, in some ways, it's his best film, you know, in terms of some of the filmmaking, some of the cinematography, um it's just scope wise there's there's so much on the screen and um you know this idea that it's been talked about a lot about like this is like kind of his jaws kind of movie um just the way that that is the tone and the pacing of it is managed um in the way it's shot um it's just it's so incredibly impressive um and I don't know, again, rewatching it multiple times and kind of getting into the nuts and bolts of the making of it. It just it just continues to be that kind of thing that's like solidifying where it falls on my list as, a, as one of my favorite movies of the year. Um, and yeah, man, just nope's a fucking it's a gem. What, what I know we've all had it, so feel free to throw whatever else you want out. I mean, I know we talked about it a lot, but um, what else? you Ma have Masterpiece. Yeah. Uh, there's a piece of dialogue that should not be a big moment in the movie that became a big moment. Didn't I tell you this motherfucker was going to come up here with a non-electrical camera? Let's go, boy. <laughs> and the forehand and then the, Yeah. What you... That's weird. It's so fun. Yeah. That he can, he can create in a movie. It just... It's, it's like, you know, I, I love the idea... I mean, you 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 like this in in Spielberg movies, when a bunch of people come together and make something work. And yeah. typically, like kids are always adorable and really fun to watch. But when you see adults do it with an enthusiasm, because it's it's like just a weird phenomenon. It's like you know, cutting off all this shit. By the way, there's some there's some things in that movie that are stuck in my brain, like the cameras shutting down or when they look in the field and um the little men stuff it's like or the the silver helmet of the tmz guy i know yeah it's yeah. like you know it's 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 and so, the reflection on it the reflection on it yeah it's yeah. it's shot so beautifully that like i'm never for i'm never gonna forget that stuff i'm never gonna forget the way that it felt 
you know, when he first goes, yeah, it just, it's just like, it's weird. It's a it's, weird, mo- it's, it's, it's weird and scary because you don't know, it doesn't fit a template, you know? Yeah. When we talk about those moments, like, it's like the third act that you're talking about is when we get that, like, that you realize he's doing a Spielberg thing. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. Yes. Like up to that, you don't really know what he's doing. And the mystery of the marketing, the mystery of the poster, the mystery of the name, you're you're involved in it. You're engaged with it from the first moment that starts with that that crazy scene that it starts yeah. with. You're putting it together. And it's like, I think people over, we talked about this, Ronald, people yeah. were overthinking the puzzle of yes. this movie on a certain level. But there's also another nature where you do have to kind of give in and just like let it let it unfold in front of you and and you'll 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 see the payoffs of things rather than like scrambling for what the answers are there are these very emotional payoffs throughout this movie and i think that's something yeah jordan peele is very smart about what he does yeah yeah it's movie yes it's up there man and 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 i mentioned it like the making of stuff if you want to have your mind blown uh, seek out the video where they kind of break down how they shot day for night. Yes. And basically Ooh. like all of the night scenes in the movie, you know, um, are all shot during the day, like in, in, in production and the way that they do that in post production, it's just mind blowing movie making <laughs> magic. And like specifically that scene where like everything is coming down on the house without oh. giving anything away. Yeah. Like there's a featurette where you can watch how they shot that in daylight. And it looks that incredible in the movie. It's just, it's, it's magic. I mean, it's movie making yeah. magic. Um, well, speaking too of that, just that the idea of the night sky, that the other thing that this movie does is like, it makes the big wide open space is scary where yeah. you're normally in a movie you're using claustrophobia and small confined spaces to be scary this goes the other direction and it's very effective about this notion of like i mean the movie is about spectacle but this whole idea of like do you look <clears throat> becomes yeah. so much more important uh but just that idea of looking up at the sky to try to figure out what's going on like that actually it's not just an image the movie's actually about that do you you know do you look is you yep. know what what, what what kind of power does spectacle have over you if it can make yeah. you stop and stare and that's you know all it needs you to do um so no yeah. and yeah steven yun is also a, a, an underrated actor i think who's great in this yeah. all right ronald number two number two everything everywhere all at once bloop, 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 bloop. cool well um, that's dope well, you just made me spoil what movie is my number one. So I'm gonna do a last minute switcheroony just so that I can still have the surprise of what my what my number one is. Uh, because otherwise, I would just be giving away that everything, everywhere, all at once was my number one. Um, so uh, hold, on, hold just... on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. So you're changing your number one so that you don't have to spoil your number one. Well, because so, so that I'm not revealing it now anyway by saying it comes later. This is the first of its kind. I've never Oof. seen this. But these Oof. two movies, these two movies fought with each other at number one Oof. anyway. So, <clears throat> all <Okay>. right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Sh- Shish kebab. Okay. 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 I, I can tell Steve doesn't like that. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm just like, this was your list and you're changing it to not spoil it. You could have just, uh... just made the noise and then, you know, 
I know, but say what your number two was. But then and you let do the, the math. Show go on. But then you do Neither, the and, and, okay. Yeah, but you're right. But the assumption would then be what is he at a number zero? Um, <clears throat> well, I, well, I, I, I like guess it. I'll just I'll I'll leave it at my number one. But I'll go ahead and say yes, this is my number one. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it in a second, Ronald. <clears throat> okay. And if you wonder what my number two is, <laughs> this okay. is a movie that sh the reason why it was not my number one when it came down to the battle between these two great movies was this movie ultimately left me feeling more bleak uh, than the movie that ended up at my number one. But this is the great Banshees of Inisherin, um, which we want to talk about a guy who had a year, Colin Farrell, the great Colin Farrell, uh, who people always talk about how great he is. But between this and After Yang and The Batman... And probably some other things I'm not thinking of. Just like, um, yeah. What else? Yatsu Yang, Batman. There was one more that they were talking about last night at the Golden Globes. There, there were four movies. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. But anyway, yeah, Colin Farrell is is great, and uh, this is a very great version of him that we get in Banshees mm -hmm. of Inisherin, a very sympathetic version. Um, and um, Brendan Gleeson is also incredible and doing some. I mean, I don't know. These two guys have great chemistry, and it's a really interesting look at their chemistry. It's an interesting look at like you know adult friendship and when it runs its course. It's a great look at like uh, how cute donkeys are. Uh, it's a great look at um, uh, Carrie Condon, the actress who played uh, Mike's uh, daughter-in-law on Better Call Saul and other things. But she's probably best known for that and how incredible she is as the sister of Park in this. Um, I don't know. It's just a great uh, like little snapshot of small town life that gets very existential and very um, almost like horrific at times um but uh, really stays funny and stays i don't know equally uh, like emotionally affecting and funny and dark throughout i just thought uh, banshees of inisherin was a was a remarkable um movie and this is another one that i've seen people that have a strong reaction against it and a strong reaction for it and i always think that's a sign of an interesting movie that like people don't know what to expect it's not a heartwarming movie but it's not a heart breaking movie necessarily it it does leave you with something something to hold on to about humanity at the end but ultimately what it's what it's driving at is like a, a there's a pointlessness and a futility to what happens in the movie that is uh definitely i think one of the feelings you're meant to be left with but you know just a, just a great one and steve this was on your this was very early on your list correct yeah it was uh was it number 17 16 okay. yeah it was it was early yeah, but I mean, so you must have been charmed by this movie too, and just seen some of that, uh, some of that, like the what a mix of elements it is that works together uh, unusually well. Yeah, and just you know, a great script, great performances. I love Barry Keoghan as well. Oh yeah, uh, he's got one line that's one of the most heartbreaking <laughs> lines. In the yeah, and that of scene film. at the lakeside is brutal. Um, yeah, but he's great, and everybody's just is yeah. It it Colin Farrell, uh, you know had a great year and i think he's kind of like slowly built this idea that like he's one of the best actors out there i think um and uh i hope he hope he gets acknowledged for it uh in this award season which he has so far but yeah it's a, it's a great movie i liked it too i saw someone post austin butler better not <clears throat> win an oscar before colin farrell does <laughs> i i second that that might have been me actually posting that <laughs> and nothing against austin hope, butler who i think might be might be a real talent, but yeah, Colin Farrell is one of those guys who people have been talking about how great he is, like increasingly in the last, yeah. you know, maybe 10 years of his career. So, yeah. Um, so my number two is uh, Top Gun Maverick. Uh, 
Ronald, that was what not your number four, three, um, my thirteen, and thirteen for John. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is like a cinematic, probably one of the more cinematic thing experiences I had this year. I mean, you know, uh, for all the talk of what movie would really kind of bring people back to the movies during the pandemic, there's no question that it was Top Gun Maverick. Um, across all demos, this kind of the movie kind of being held for two years, fending off like being purchased by a streamer, and you know that that this it's 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 history now, and it's it's a part of its legacy in terms of being able to kind of hold out um, because of the confidence that everybody involved had with this movie. And I think, you know, the idea, the word of mouth starting to build for it before it's released kind of coming up and and you hear like that this legacy sequel 30 years in the making is as good as it is being said to be. And you're kind of like, can it be that good? And, you know, personally, you know, finally being able to go see it in the theater, you know, a week or two after it came out, um, you know, the, for me, the answer was uh, just uh, absolutely. And um <laughs> And we talked about it again prior episode, but it's just like it does it does it plays it plays all the cliches of these nostalgia, you know, movies, these legacy sequels. And it does all the things that you kind of expect it to do, but it does the vast majority of them uh, perfectly, in my opinion. And I think in ways that a lot of other attempts to do this fail at doing or, or you know, don't succeed on this level. Uh, you know, you have one of, if not the the last real true movie stars um, in Tom Cruise, you know, in, in in a franchise that in ways made him the star that he is. And um, I just think that the care and the attention that went into making the movie, all, all the practical shooting and all the stunts and, you know, you know, the, the 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 story around Tom Cruise and, you know, his involvement in the stunts is just it's a part of the experience. You know, again, talking about theatrical you know, I, I haven't gone to the movies anywhere near as much as I used to uh, in this last year, but you know, this is probably, you know, one or two of the best experiences I've had in the theater this last year, seeing again, trying to see as much as I can on Dolby, um, you know, feeling the sound, feeling these, these amazing flight sequences are just, they're just phenomenal. Um, a great young cast, you know, kind of bringing in new actors, new actresses to kind of pat around, you know, Pete Maverick and the star that he is. And I just think that so many of these things just work in this movie that you wouldn't expect to work, you know, bringing back Val Kilmer, you know, John Hamm's character, Ed Harris's character. There, there's all, there's moments for all of them where you just expect it to not work and somehow it works. And uh, again, rewatchability, this movie has it. I mean, out, out the, out, whatever, out the window. It's just, it's so rewatchable. Um, out the wazoo, I believe. Out the, the wazoo, term. yeah. <laughs> um, it's just, you know, a massive critical, financial. I mean, it's just, it's insane what Top Gun Maverick is in 2022. And um, it's my number two favorite movie of the year. Guys, anything else to add? Ronald, you had it just one above me. So what do you, what do yeah, you guys say? Um, it's, uh, yeah, I, I cried. Uh, I, know, I, I know Zuri's a fan, right? Oh, she's a huge fan. She's a. <laughs> I've never seen that picture that you sent us of her yeah. watching. It she, she was so engaged. She was so engaged. Man, uh, uh, it was fun. It was emotional. It was you. I, I found myself screaming at home, and I don't <laughs> think I've ever. There are 
aren't very many movies that I could bring home and the and I don't know how the theater experience was that like shattered my expectations for what it would sound like at home. Like I was not mentally prepared because a lot of the times what will happen is like I have up firing uh, speakers. So what will happen is like the the, the sound is kind of static um, and nope and Top Gun in one of those movies we can literally feel like something's moving around the room. That's just like an incredible effect. Yeah. And even and even did it on my sound bar as well when I tried it upstairs. It's like there's still something about the way that the sound design's done where you're like, man, what the what the hell is going on? I feel like I got yeah. an engine in my room. Um yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really cool. Um acting was great, just a fun movie, and it looks fucking gorgeous. Looks yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. Cool. It was made for the moment. It was made for the kind of movie that it is. You know, I mean, it's made, it is so down the middle of what it is, but like because of that Tom Cruise taking it up a notch aspect of him coming back to do this, he wasn't going to do it halfway. <clears throat> so that means they're going to do as much <clears throat> as they can to bring verisimilitude to these stunts and the nature of just what the characters in this movie are doing is, is death defying. You know what I mean? So if you're going to try to bring as much reality to that as possible, it's like you're having to bring to bear so many filming techniques and so many, I don't know, so many things that have to be at the highest level for those stunts to come off, even if they weren't planning to do so much real flying and do so much, you know, amazing stuff. So yeah, yeah, like the kind of movie that was designed for this, this, what's going to get people out to the theaters. It's going to be something easy to get, easy to get your head around that is going to look good on a giant screen, you know? And then mm. the fact that what they're putting up there is, you know, from a filmic standpoint, it, it's interesting. Even if you, you're not invested in the Top Gun characters, you probably are interested to see the kind of aerial photography that they pull off. So. Right. Yeah. And I even said, even if you're in it to make fun of it, Tom Cruise riding a motorcycle up to a hangar at like golden hour is like, so both what it is and a total satire, you know what I mean? It's like, it's all things at once. It's like, that's like this, 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 the, the, the nexus of Tom Cruise-ness is that moment. And so if it doesn't matter what kind of Tom Cruise watcher you are, that moment is exactly what you come to Top Gun Maverick to see. So I think that's, you know, kind of what you're saying, Steve, there's like a, a, just a few performers who are at that level where like, yeah, you, you know you you might just check it out just because they're they're the one doing it and which makes me think about i mean i don't know if you guys are hot for uh i guess we'll talk about this what movies we're really looking forward to this year but mission impossible um that that thinking that we just were talking about has got me so excited for what i'm going to see in that movie yeah Um, which is a little bit more my my lane when it comes to the the espionage stuff over the kind of military stuff but but yeah but i was dazzled by top gun maverick as well yeah all right, Ronald. Does this mean it's your number one? Yeah, man. What? What's? Yeah. Uh, I'm curious. Now, here's the thing, man. Like my number two. Is this number my number two? Uh, oh yeah, I couldn't because it got. No, yeah, you gotta wait. We're gonna have to wait and see what happens. <laughs> no one, nobody okay. knows what my pick is. My number one. I know you guys are gonna figure this shit out. Park Chan Wook made a movie that is working on a level that I just have never seen in a movie. I mean, I'm a big fan of Old Boy. I'm a big fan of Lady Vengeance. I'm a big fan of Handmaiden. But Decision to Leave. Um, 
I'd, I'd say the gap is probably the biggest between my two and one because of this. Um, it, it It's a story about a cop that's kind of a, a beat cop that that is a slash detective a woman a woman a, a woman is accused of possibly murdering her husband and from the moment that they meet eyes a connection is created that lasts for maybe 20 years and it follows that kind of through line of this this relationship it's it is strange and it's a murder mystery it's a it's a crime thriller and it takes every opportunity to do something cool for each thing that kind of happens so like one of the primary points of of communication between them is text and i've never seen text be so uh, exciting because there's two different languages and because of it um there's some literal translations sometimes that go through text that kind of play into how the story plays. Mm. It's it's smart. It's fucking shot. Like he's trying every sort of optical illusion and and fisheye, and it's like he he watched all of the movies for the past hundred fifty years, and he's like, I'm gonna try. 20 of these techniques during the course of this movie and and it's and it's really to 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 show the growth that happens the changes in scenery the locations of some of the things that happens so there's a scene there's a scene that starts so the gentleman that dies falls off a mountain it starts from the conversation they're having aims down the camera and goes into the body bag of the killer uh, of the killed uh, man. It's just like seamless, and it just yeah. stuff like that. The whole movie, just like <laughs> transitional camera things. On top of that, the acting between the two main actors is just—it's a love story. It's a crime mystery, and and its resolution is fucking heartbreaking. It's not. It's not clean. It's not simple. And um, it really forces you to figure out, you know, who you think is the villain in this movie. Because <laughs> there are a couple of villains. It depends on, who, you know, how how you go about your life really determines how you view this movie in terms of villainy. And, you know, it's 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 a cool ass movie. And it, I, I can't stress to you more how beautiful it is um and uh it's available on mubi uh mubi is trying to do this thing where they're getting movies directly from festivals um which i think is really cool and making them readily available and uh, the highest quality that that you can get it in pretty much um yeah so you can get a movie you can rent it for i think it's 5.99 right now mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's so I bought it. I actually bought it on iTunes. I bought it outright. I just needed to have it in my collection. Um, and it's available in 4K and that and uh, 5.1 surround sound. It's 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 a cool, cool, cool movie that just impressed me at every turn. I was not bored. I wasn't. This is a this is it's pushing the envelope of what filmmaking can do. And I know that like in two, three years, some American director is going to steal 
some of these devices that he uses in, in, in this movie. It's just it's that well done. Yeah, this movie um, would probably be on my list if I had had like another hour because I was about two thirds <clears throat> through watching it when oh, we started damn. recording. Um, but I agree with everything you said about the beauty of it. And like, I, you know, I The Handmaiden was on my best of list the year that it came out. I can't remember what year that was. Um, but uh, what was that 2016, I think. Um, but no, I love that movie. And yes, I agree. What I'd seen of this one is it's equally it's exactly what you said. It's so complex and precise i don't think the script for this is the real shining element of it i mean i think the acting and the direction and the, everything about it takes what could be almost like a standard kind of yeah, drama yeah, yeah. slash romance thriller and really turns it into something uh yeah uh pretty amazing so i mean this is this is probably the ultimate one if the question were what movie did would have would have probably made your list if you were able to finish it but i think uh uh decision to leave was yeah i when you said it it was just like yes it, it's incredible and um you know uh you're right a guy with an amazing career and if you've seen the kind of movies he does this one isn't quite as extreme as some of those other things but i think oh, it's no. kind of quietly i haven't seen the ending but it seems like it's building towards something a bit crazy so um yeah i'm i'm fully i can't i mean that's what when we finish recording i'll be hopping back into this one so oh man there's a point there's a point towards the end where you'll feel like i I want to be there. I need to help. Yeah. You know I, mean? I need to help this person. It's just one of those things. Oh, God. Yeah, let me know. Let me know what you think after you you see the end. All right. Well, my number one film, guess what it is. Everyone out there, I want you to write it down. I want you to fold it up. I want you to... <laughs> what? <laughs> newsflash, newsflash. You sold yourself out before I even had the chance to jump on board with you last time, John. <laughs> we, we can tag team this. All right. Well, I will say that there, there is a there, somewhere in the multiverse, a version of me did not reveal that my number one was everything, everywhere, all at once. And we got to have a real moment of unity, Steve. And I, I this version of me in the multiverse <laughs> learned that lesson and I can be a better co-host to you uh, going great. forward. Because I love I've it. had that kind of growth. But no. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's probably not any surprise that this ended up on all of our lists. Right. I mean, this is kind of. I was looking at the year and I was like, I think this is the movie of the year for me because yeah. it's the one I keep coming back to. It's that one that when <clears> I see it's on a streaming service that I'm I'm browsing, I think about watching it, you know, like yeah. th that that's where it is. And it is because it is so in a year where, as you mentioned, Steve, there's not a Marvel movie. Well, B Black Panther, uh, Wakanda Forever, which is almost its own kind of different thing, uh, but it is a Marvel movie. But outside of that, none of these other Marvel movies made the list, including one that's about a multiverse of madness that really wasn't about a multiverse of madness. And it's just kind of strange that the movie that fully explored that idea in both a sci-fi way and like an emotionally resonant way was not a $200 million uh, uh, tentpole movie. It was right. this kind of scrappy, inventive movie that... Um, you know, follows a lot of interesting avenues. And by the time it gets to the end, uh, it has really kind of s nicely sewn up a couple of things that felt like they were going to be visual gags. Like there's a Ratatouille parody in there. There's the hot dog finger universe that that stuff ends up being some very emotionally resonant stuff. By the time this movie is over is just one of the 50 things uh, this movie does well and that i don't think i've seen you you know you say this sometimes ronald that like you just haven't seen another movie do this this is that movie for me this year of like i just haven't seen another movie try to do all this and then actually kind of pull it off so a classic for me yeah i think that you know i was probably the last to this movie i just watched it last week and uh 
was just completely floored by it. I just uh, really regretted that I waited so long to see it after seeing it because I just kind of wish I could have been a part of the conversation a little more. I mean, and it's kind of the, it, you know, it's one of the movies that um, has had like the most staying power all year long. Like, this is a movie that premiered last March at South by Southwest and, um, you know, somehow became you know, this, uh, I think the biggest film for A24, you know, crossed a hundred million dollars worldwide and is a movie that's still being talked about now on many top 10 lists and, you know, is a front runner for a lot of major awards at the Oscars. And, is, and I think it should be because, yeah, you, you, you said it perfectly. Really, the main thing I want to say, John, is just that, like, of all the movies, the great movies that we've talked about on this podcast, I feel like this is the one for me that just feels like nothing I've ever seen before. And, you know, it feels like two filmmakers, um, a cast, a crew, whatever you want to frame it as just kind of working on a level that few <clears throat> that I, I feel like few movies, you know, reached this year um, in terms of just inventiveness, storytelling, character work, you know, ideas about, <clears throat> excuse me, ideas about family and legacy and the choices that you make in life and the challenges that we face in life and just the way that they kind of it's all kind of woven together and um, they've somehow, you know, got these amazing performances out of these amazing actors and actresses. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's just like, uh, it, it was one of the ones that was always on my radar all year. And it just was like, I don't know why it just kept getting pushed down, pushed down, pushed around. And I'm sorry for that. Everything, <laughs> everywhere, all at once, you deserved more, but I did finally get to watch you and enjoy everything that you are. Um, and I'm really grateful that I got to watch it because I did watch it, you know, in my decent setup in my basement and, you know, got to really kind of feel it and hear it and experience it. And yeah, I mean, I just think it's kind of crazy how well they handle the idea of the multiverse and like how it can be handled and explained easily, um, right. for, because as intricate as the story is and, and, you know, the device that they're using is. They, they really do a great job of just streamlining it enough that it doesn't suffer any of the performances. It doesn't the, the, the actual narrative that we're going along with, like basically the survival of this family um, is just it's marvelous and it's just really impressive. And it's, it's kind of a miracle, honestly. Um, but yeah, this this movie is absolutely fantastic. It's the number one movie for me this year. And the moment I saw it, I could just, I, I could feel my whole list move uh, <laughs> things around. You know what I mean? Like I felt like Nope and Top Gun were always at the top for me, but then I couldn't deny just kind of like the originality and just, um, you know, shit, you're talking about, we're talking about talking rocks and like hot dog fingers and, you know, raccoonie and things like that. It's just like, that, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? And yet yeah. it's the, one of the most effective and effective movies I watched this year. and. Um, yeah, everything, everywhere, all at once is just a marvel and a masterpiece in my eyes. Uh, what about you, hey, Ronald? Hey, Huey Kwan having a comeback moment, too. is like another yeah, great yeah. thing about it. Um, I think people need a reminder that Michelle Yeoh was in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which came out in the year 2000. It was a crazy hit back then. And I got, you know, I'm a martial arts fan. So, you know, I've, I've watched a ton of her films. She kind of came up with um, Jackie Chan and uh, Sammo Hung. And, you know, I, I, I'm 
seeing her journey, really, just seeing it on film. Yes, Madame is like one of her is like her breakout action film. And then seeing this movie just kind of you can't help but be moved. You can't help but see how this woman really is doing it her way. You know, it, she she's not a stereotype. She's like this foot. She she she's patient enough to know that, you know, if you get these meaty projects that really show you as a three-dimensional character, it will pull people into culture that way. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have to necessarily try to be everything for everyone. Um, <laughs> and she really succeeded in being picky. And, you know, this came and this is like a career defining movie. But I, I beg you to go see her older movies. Look her up. Look her up. IMDb up. And you'll know that like this is just a just a little piece of her career. Um, but it is the coolest homage to her. It's the coolest reminder that if people are given the space to create worlds, they can do it. And just because they don't look like you don't mean they can't tell a, a story that you can relate to. Cause all I know all of us connected to it on a real emotional level. Humanity is humanity. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, I just it's 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 a huge accomplishment. And it it approaches everybody in the family too, uh, with like there's there's great mother-daughter stuff maybe at the center of this, but also the the sort of father-daughter stuff and father or, or, or husband, husband wife, wife stuff is really poignant as well. And I think putting, you know, obviously you know who the lead of this movie is, but those characters that are around them have uh, you know unexpected places to go that that really feel i mean obviously kihui kwan is just won an award for his performance in this right he got a golden globe for supporting actor yeah so did michelle um and so it's like it's it's like obviously this is a big moment for her but the fact that it's even a big moment for a supporting player in this to me it just tells you how how much heart this movie has in it and in a way that feels earned it's like it is absurd and it is a little bit crazy the way that everything works together but when it gets to those emotional hook moments i mean i felt like this movie had a a power that really was unmatched by almost anything else i've seen this year um and really puts it amongst one of my favorite movies i think because of um just how involving it was and surprising. Like, even if you know what you know going into this, you don't know quite how things are going to manifest and you don't know how deep they're going to get into the kind of mythology almost of this of this movie that does that in and of itself, even without all the other stuff we've mentioned, there's some kind of neat new ideas about about what the multiverse would would be all about uh, that are that are pretty fun. So, yeah. Yeah. What a year and what a movie. Yeah, man. Thanks for hanging in there, uh, fellas. This was a, a, a yeah. another one on the books for for yeah. the Schmovie gang. <laughs> so so doing some quick math here, guys. Here here we go, real quick with the uh, the movie Schmovie top five films of right. uh, of twenty twenty two. Okay, so, so coming in at number five with a total of thirteen points for appearing on both mine and John's top ten list um, is the Fablemans. Um. Number four is Barbarian with a total of 15 points on all three of our lists. Okay. Okay. Number three is Top Gun Maverick with 17 points, replacing So High on mine and Ronald's list. Number two with 19 points is Nope. <clears throat> Again, on all three of our lists in the top mm-hmm. three for two of us. 
And then number one, no surprise, is everything everywhere all at once with a almost perfect yes. 29 points. Wow. Not even close. Like you mentioned the distance between two and one on your list, Ronald. The distance between our <laughs> two and one is an entire top 10 list. Wow. <laughs> so 29 points, everything everywhere all at once. The schmovie movie of the year, I think it's clear to say. Yeah. Very deserving. Very deserving. Um, so yeah, I guess off the top of your heads, uh, I think the only one of these that's really not available streaming yet is the Fablemans of the top five. Right. Um, that's still theatrical at the moment, but yeah, Barbarians on HBO Max, Top Gun Maverick is available everywhere, also on Paramount Plus. Uh, Nope is available definitely Peacock. digitally. Peacock, that's right. I, I forgot which one it was. <clears throat> Excuse me. And yeah, and everything everywhere all at once. What is that on? I know it's digital. I, I, I you know, rented it. I mean, I feel like, like I've where, seen it on. Where did you uh, see it on the streaming service? Or... I feel like I see it on Amazon. I see it on. Um, I feel like I see for, it on something for, else that I scroll past, but I can't for remember. For like for pat for purchase or rent, you mean? Yeah. I don't know yeah, who's yeah, hosting yeah. it. Like, like. Yeah. It just if it's available in like a streaming option. Let me see. Um, what? Showtime? It's on Showtime. Showtime. It says streamable on Showtime. Yeah. But that may be that may be a purchase. I don't know. Maybe it says Paramount Plus has it. Okay. So Paramount I don't know. Plus it, and it's definitely out it. there digitally. We should have uh, confirmed that, but we have no way to know what our list was. But yeah, I'm I'm seeing on on the Just Watch app at least for streaming. I see, uh, it's all all options are through Showtime uh, directly, or you can subscribe through wow. Amazon Prime, Roku yeah. Channel. And Paramount Plus is is it's Showtime through Paramount Plus. You're okay. right. I see that here too. But it's Showtime. Period. Uh, is is where it's available to stream, or you can buy it on any of the digital platforms. Um, but I don't know what the ETA is on the Fablemans yet. But probably in the next few weeks, or is it digital yet? I don't know. It don't know. it it is digital, but not that, streaming. Yeah, yeah. It's on okay. that early okay. at, at home thing that they they're doing on yeah, some yeah, of the yeah, services. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that's cool. All the ones that we have on top five and many of the other ones that we picked are at least in some way available for you to watch at home right now if you haven't caught any of these to this point. But um, that feels that feels really right, I think, that list. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sure. Seems pretty, pretty appropriate for, for this podcast. The other commonalities were the Batman... With eight points, Triangle of Sadness with seven, and Glass Onion with nine. Those just missed it. So those would be six, seven, and eight. Dang. Those are also strong, you know. I mean, not that you've yeah. seen Triangle of Sadness yet, but those are all strong uh, movies as well that I I think kind of fit that mold of schmovies. We can call them schmovies now. Movies. <laughs> when they've reached this level, they've been exalted. Man, what a cool list. That's a yeah. great list, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, like looking at it, it's like you got all everything represented. I feel like it's nice. Um, all right, man. That was a lot of fun. I'm glad we got to do this again. Uh next week we'll be back with a regular, regular old episode. Uh, just as a reminder, we'll get to Ronald's pick for required viewing, which is gonna be the Godfather. An obscure little movie. Yeah, a little a little small film. We're gonna try <laughs> to find it somewhere. Um so if you jumped in on this episode for a top 10 list and maybe you're new to the podcast, maybe if you're just kind of going through and finding people's favorite movies, 
come back next week and listen to that episode. It'll be a lot of fun, um, like most of our episodes are. And you can subscribe to moviesmovie.com. You can listen to podcast uh, episodes right there on the site or jump into whatever podcast platform you prefer to use and subscribe. Review, rate the podcast if you do that already. We'd appreciate it. And uh, mentioned it a little earlier, but youtube.com. We have some videos up there as well if you prefer the video portion of the episode. Uh, YouTube.com slash Movies Movie Podcast is the direct link, and you can subscribe and hit the bell to get notifications about when new videos come out. They usually come out either the same day or the weekend that the podcast come out. Um, new episodes for the podcast come out every Friday. Um, but here we go in the 2023, guys. We'll have to get together. And uh, yeah, John, you mentioned it. Maybe do like a looking forward in the next couple episodes. Maybe we can have a little section or an episode itself dedicated to maybe picking a couple things we're most excited for this year. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting. Here. Tons and tons of stuff coming out this year, guys. So much. We already know Ronald likes Megan. Megan. M3. Megan, yeah. Spoiler yeah. alert. It was about to make his list, guys. I mean, like I know. I really thought it came out last year. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're at that one week where you could have that confusion. I honestly yeah, 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 like you know. your crossover. Yeah. Now, if I start saying that again, something's right. wrong with me. But yeah, for real. I was like, did that come out last? I the thought it came out. This- that came out this year, right? oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man yeah maybe megan will make your list next year come back a year from now and we'll find out for ronald yeah. <laughs> the way this slate is it's a bush it's getting blown up man yeah it's got no chance right yeah um that'll be a very sad comment on the year that we have ahead of us if somehow M- megan is actually still like, that's true. Right. no it that's went true. up <laughs> it's my number right. one. Hey, Ron's like, no, that thing is climbing <laughs> on a weekly basis i've watched it 17 times <laughs> move aside decision to leave Megan's. right right <laughs> not only did it move up i moved it to the year prior yeah. <laughs> so it could be everything everywhere all the there you go yeah. that's there a nice look. bring it around uh man good times good seeing you guys thanks as always you've made our day bye bye